Hey, Andy, how's it going, man? Well, what's going on, Mr. Jared? Not much. How you doing? <laughs> I'm doing good. I'm doing good. So what are you up to? Uh, I'm just reviewing my issue. Hey, I got... Uh, I got a question for you. On Facebook, I saw you and Jen somewhere from this past weekend, right? Oh yeah. Was there a picture? Do you are are yeah. you wearing an earring in that picture? I am. I didn't know you had an earring. Do you have one, two, seven belly button ring? <laughs> no, I I've had this pierced since uh, since uh, well almost ten years now. Ten years! Holy cow! I didn't almost. know Cedarville uh, allowed that kind of nonsense. Yeah, they didn't. <laughs> so you just had to sleep with it in. <laughs> I didn't know that. I don't know if you saw that, but when you see that picture, if you do, I tagged the earring. It, oh. <laughs> it says Jennifer, <laughs> Jared, and then earring? Because <laughs> that was a question. <laughs> anyway. I'll have to check that out right now. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Anyway, uh, welcome to Marvel 616 Politics, episode with Andy Kirby and Jared Mayo. Fantastic. All right, man, what you been up to? I've just been working, like always. You know, that fun thing, that J-O-B that we got. <laughs> but uh, that's about it. Well, there was a big release that happened. Yeah, Tina released a double. It's a, it, was a, it was a CD and DVD. What? Goodness, how come I didn't yeah. hear about this? I thought it would be, you know, all over the Internet. Yeah, well, see, Tina's uh, promotion company, they just decided they weren't really going to say anything. There was no promotion, absolutely zip. Of course, it didn't do too well. <laughs> well, that's terrible for her. I mean, I, all joking aside, that's kind of, why in the world would they do that? Yeah, it was pretty crummy. I mean, to go to all the, you know, the expense that it takes to mix a, a, a live CD, record it, all the various cameras, the director, all the production costs, and then to just release it with with no mention at all. Kind of silly. That is, that is kind of silly. Well, I, is What's it is going it, on with you? Is it like a best of album? No, no, it was uh, it was her last album. I mean, it was her last uh, her last tour. They released the DVD of it, and then they released a live CD of the show as well. Well, wait, her last tour, or her most recent tour, her most well, probably both. Oh, okay, all right. I, I mean, you. she's going to be seventy this month, so I'm thinking it might have been her last. Seventy. Well, she's 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 had a good run. I'll tell you that. It gives you hope, you know. I can I can do that at seventy two. <laughs> I don't know if I could grow that hair now. <laughs> well, maybe not the hair, but to have the energy. Oh, okay, all right. <laughs> on a, on a related note, I have a Tina story. Would you care to listen? Oh, please indulge. Okay, all right, all right. I was uh, in the office, and and the the ladies in the back who who are kind of the call center. Um, I was going back there to add, to answer an IT question, and so. Um, I walk in back there, they got the radio on most of the time, and um, We Don't Need Another Hero was playing. Okay? So this lady, uh -huh. who is, you know, a, a medium-sized lady, she's not, she's not small by any means, and she was walking back to her desk, and I said, oh, little Tina, huh? And she was like, are you calling me little Tina? And I was like, no, no. 
no, the the song, <laughs> the song in the song right now, it's Tina, right? And they were like, what are you talking about? I was like, the radio, that's that's Tina, Tina Turner, right? And she's like, oh, yes, yeah, I remember that movie. I was like, oh, yeah, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, yeah. And she was like, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> I was like, this this song, it's Tina Turner, and it's from Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, right? And she's like, I've never heard of Mad Max. And I was like, what? Well, what movie are you talking about? And the lady I was standing next to, another lady at the desk, was like, "Oh yes, I. It is from Mad Max. Don't mind her." <laughs> like, <laughs> what's going on here? So apparently, she was talking about some documentary about Tina. Uh, do you know anything about that? What a, What about a documentary that's like on right now? Or no, no. I mean, she. I guess that's the movie she was talking about. She's like, "Oh, I remember that movie came out, and I seen it." And but she wasn't talking about oh, Mad she- Max. She's probably talking about the movie about her life. What's love got to do with it? Oh, I see. I did not see. I did not realize that. But I told, um, I told the lady I was standing next to who did recognize it and who did know Mad Max. I was like, uh, you know, I would have never been able to pick this out of a lineup if it weren't for my friend. And she looks at me, and her husband's really into comic books. So I told her about the podcast, and she was like. Oh yeah, your friend who's obsessed with Tina who does the podcast with you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and then I got to tell this great story about you being on Oprah because of how big a <laughs> Tina Turner fan you were. So I you know what? I'm just making friends. This this podcast and Tina Turner has helped me to make more friends within this company. That's what Tina does. She brings the people together. I tell you what, she tears down walls. It kind of almost brings a tear to your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, okay, so have you seen Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome? I've seen parts of it. I haven't, i got to confess, I know it's like a cult classic, and I've seen a lot of cult classics, but I have not seen the whole thing of that. I know it's like the, the should... famous, the famous lines are like, two men enter, one man leaves, you know? Yeah, and the Thunderdome. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen the Futurama making fun of it. I mean, or you know, parodying it. All this. So that, that oh, do they do a parody? Well, yeah, here and there they reference it. Okay. <laughs> I did not know that. I just figured that you know somebody, you know, of your age, of our age, doesn't typically know that Mad Max on Thunderdome. What are you talking about? I mean, that was. What are you what are you saying? No, 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 no. Even though I haven't watched it, it people our age should know about it. They should know about Road Warrior and then Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome and there there was a third one, right? Mad Max? Mad Max was the third one. Right. Yeah. So well, you know, even though I haven't seen I've seen Road Warrior plenty of times. Well, Mad Max is like a huge departure. Like it could almost be its own movie. Well, it is its own movie, but I mean, it could be its own <laughs> separate movie from this series. <laughs> okay. How do we get on this? I was, no, give us, I don't know. All right, let's give out our contact information before we get way off track. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. And you know our phone number, sir? 616-755-TINA. Yep. 616-755-TINA. Excellent. And if you can remember it, so can our listeners. Uh, our email address is marvel616politics at gmail.com. And, of course, our website marvel616politics.com and good news for us we had one voicemail and then we also just broke 300 subscribers which to some might be small potatoes but to me it's a huge deal and you what yeah. you, you didn't even know people could subscribe to our podcast 
Well, I, what I do is I jump on and I see how many people have downloaded it. Is that the same thing as subscribing? What do you go to? You go to the Podbean site? No, I go to six one six Marvel six one six Politics dot com. Yep, Marvel six one six Politics dot com, and then I go to the statistics, and it gives the statistics of downloads, uh, subscribers, and then or episode hits, subscribers, and then um, site hits. I don't know where you see subscribe. I'm on the web page, but I don't know where you see subscribers. Uh, you have to log in. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh well, see, you're the administrator. I don't, I don't have all that stuff. What? You don't? All right. You make me seem all high and mighty and like, <laughs> <laughs> and like uh, withholding. <laughs> no, no, oh, no, no, no. You're the administrator. I don't get. I'm not privy to all that. <laughs> Well, my mistake. I'll I'll I'll, I'll let you in on the secret. <laughs> no, I, I'm assuming it's uh they subscribe through iTunes, but nobody's written a review yet. I would appreciate a review out there, somebody, and you know, not one from me, because I was tempted to write my own review, and I thought you know that might be a conflict of interest. <laughs> well, that's fantastic. Three hundred subscribers for. Or just something that we were, you know, just thought it'd be fun to just be some dorks and talk about comic books. And yeah, I'm all Never about thought it. that, you know, 300 people would want to listen. Well, maybe they don't. Maybe they, you know, maybe somebody snuck on their iTunes or whatever and said, I'll get them. But, you know, it's still there. Somebody <laughs> thought of us. Exactly. That's <laughs> awesome. All right, well, I'll, I'll play our um, voicemail. Have you heard this yet? No. All right, I'll play it for you. I want to know all about Miss Please do a podcast on the speak and how cool she is. Thank you. Okay, well, it's some drunken lady. I shouldn't say that. <laughs> I shouldn't say that. <laughs> it's a young lady who would like to hear about Mystique. They said, please do a podcast about Mystique. I want to know about Mystique because she's so cool, or something like that. I don't know. It was it was kind of slurred. I'm not gonna be. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, <laughs> So I did some research. It, the X-Men, not really my forte. I've read probably some Mystique all the way from um, Chuck Austin's run on Uncanny, probably from 400 on, anything that uh, that Mystique's been in. But what, what's your take on her? I'll let you have the floor first. Uh, well, Mystique is my favorite villain, so I love Mystique. I, didn't I think she's a really cool character. Last couple of years, they've kind of, I don't know, they've kind of, watered her down a little bit, but but that's okay. She's still at heart. She's just this conniving, schizophrenic, just raw, bad villain. And she's, I mean, she's just got so many different things running behind the scenes, and then you throw in those powers, and that just that just really helps her out in a variety of circumstances, from infiltrating the X-Men to finally joining the X-Men to now being part of the Dark Avenger, the Dark X-Men. I mean, she's been around for a long time, and she's got an awesome history. So Mystique is definitely one of my way up there. What about you? Well, first off, I want to say to our listener out there, thank you for calling, but I don't know if we can do a whole podcast on how awesome Mystique is. Uh, we'll touch on it, but I, I hope you're satisfied. Um, <laughs> yeah, that might be a bit much. <laughs> This person seems crazed. No, not, I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say that to all our callers. Okay. <laughs> feel free Feel free to call in. Um, Mystique, I don't know who's pulling her strings. I mean, usually she seems to be the one 
to me, every time I've read her, she seems to be a middleman. She seems to be like a B-list character, and just the only reason I say that is, is nothing to slight her characterization or anything like that, but a B-list character meaning she's always working for somebody or with somebody, and she's the one that the X-Men have to get through to get to the big baddie. Like, she, must, she, she is cool, and she's very manipulative, but I don't understand what her end game is, her ultimate goal. Because she's always working for somebody, and because she's always being manipulative on somebody else's behalf, I'm not sure if she has her own goals and um, how she's going to reach them. Now, she is a cool character to use. Like, she's not, she's not one of those people that you... that is that could be the take the place of a big bad guy like Apocalypse or even Mr. Sinister um, because she because of the powers she has. Like, she has functional powers that do well on the page, whereas Apocalypse, he doesn't really have... His powers are more um, off-page, more mastermind powers. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I, so I think the nature of her powers kind of lend her to have more uh, interact interactivity uh, and interaction with the primary heroes, and that unfortunately lends herself or lends itself to be a B-list character. Well, I'm wondering. I'm kind of wondering what issues you. I mean, you say that you've read everything from Chuck Austin and to now. Are you, you know, are you I, questioning my integrity? Well, I'm just questioning <laughs> if you if you've read the the better Mystique issue <laughs> because. She's not. She is sometimes working for other people, but when she was first introduced, she was leading the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Like that was her thing. She was the boss of that. Um, I thought that she was going to X Factor for what? I thought that was Magneto. No, am I wrong there? That was Magneto. But then when they reformed, it was Mystique, Pyro, Avalanche, Blob, and Destiny. Okay. Mystique. I mean, Blob, I mean, Magneto has not led Mystique. Mystique is, has always run her own show with the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Uh, um, then she joined X-Factor for a while, and X-Factor thought they were controlling her, when really she had this whole other plan set up. This stuff that you had read was probably, like, the Chuck Austin crap was just, bleh. It was <laughs> awful. Like, you talk to anybody that's read, that's like an X-Men hardcore person, they just want all of his run to basically just be extinguished. So you don't just, you don't like the fact that Jugg- Juggernaut was turning up like a hero because of some little kid? You don't like all that? No. Squid no. Boy? Oh, it's awful. <laughs> or that Nightcrawler's dad was really a Satan. And, oh, it's just awful run. Horrible. <laughs> the art was pretty cool. Which uh, artist? Salvador, right? Uh, when he was When he was drawing, it was good. But then they got, um, what was that guy's name? Some kind of manga-influenced guy. I can't remember his name. And it was just, everybody had a huge nose, and it's awful. You're not talking about Pacello, right? No, I, no, he's awesome. You, uh, yeah. Carlos Pacheco. Is that his name? Once again, we should have looked this up before we talked about it. <laughs> I did. Hey, I did research on Mystique. All right, tell me why you like her. I mean, her interaction. Admittedly, I haven't read as much of her as you have. Um, so, tell me why she's not. Do you think she's a B-list character? And if not, why she would be an A-lister or a C-lister? I think she's probably in between A and B. She's, what, she's what is that? A minus. Yeah, A minus. <laughs> plus A minus. <laughs> 
All right, tell because, me. Because I mean, if you look at throw up the, um, the like the leading Marvel female villain, there are very few that come to come to mind. But if one does come to mind, it's Mystique. Okay, you know, she yeah. is running the show. Sometimes she is behind the scenes, and sometimes it may appear that she's being manipulated. But like you know, in the recent Messiah Complex, it looked like Mystique was working for Sinister, but she wasn't. She turned around and blew his head off. You know, she had it in her own miniseries. It looked like she was working for Professor X, and it looked like she was working for some other people. But in the end, Mystique is watching out for Mystique and nobody else. And that's why you, I mean, what are the reasons why you like, I'm not to put you on the spot, but like, that's the reason why? Well, she's just tough. Like, I like strong characters. She's a strong leader. Like, that's part of what draws me to Storm. She's just a tough-as-nails leader. And that's kind of what Mystique is. Like, she doesn't take crap from anybody. She'll slit your throat and then, you know, camouflage into you and, and hook up with your husband. You know, she'll do whatever she needs to do to get the job done. And she doesn't really have a whole, you know, set of morals or standards or ethics. She's just kind of crazy. Well, what did you think of uh, Guggenheim's run on Wolverine? Uh, was it Guggenheim or was it Jason Aaron? It was, I think it was Jason Aaron. Um, yeah, with his Get Mystique run. Did you read that? Yeah, I read it. Uh, it didn't really, you know, super stand out to me or anything. It's just kind of another, It was to me it was just kind of a, again, you know, Wolverine knows everybody in the universe and has a, a history of everyone in the universe. Um, it didn't really further Mystique too much because she supposedly died at the end, but she's already back. So, right. <laughs> didn't do a whole bunch, a lot for me. What about you? Uh, well, I didn't like that run just because I, I don't like that uh, setting, the old time period. And I, I, would, I do enjoy stories about Logan in the past rather than the future, Mark Millar. But um, <laughs> but to me it was just it it seemed forced. I mean I, I understand why I was mad at her. The little I've read about her, it didn't look like her. And uh, the Manifest Destiny books where she was after um, Iceman, Bobby Drake, um, that seemed more like her. So it was kind of like a far cry from okay she's in the the Middle East bleeding to death. And then all of a sudden she's after Bobby Drake because that's actually the continuation of the story that we were being told. So I, she's all right. You're right. She is a she is a top villain, and now that Emma's gone, a top female villain. Now that Emma is not a top female villain, I mean, what can you do? You have very few choices left. So yeah, I think she's good, but I would like to know that she has defined motives, not necessarily what they are but that she goes through and, and makes choices and says, okay, makes choices based on an ultimate goal instead of, oh, this week I'm going to pretend to work for so-and-so to do to get further in my goals, which I may or may not have any. You know, like, why is she working? Why is she pretending to work for Sinister? Does she really want to cause a rift between um, Rogue and Gambit? Is that really her ultimate goal, or is that just, a, like, one piece of it, and eventually she turns and... The whole Hedicomb thing, like she was, you know, she was there and she was fighting with the X Men, right? And then all of a sudden she's like, you know what? Never mind. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, obviously we're we're talking about writers here too and editors, but um, you know, I, I would like to know that she has a reason. We know Mister Sinister has a has a end motive. We know Apocalypse has an end motive. We know Magneto has an end motive. 
even though their motives, their end goals may change, but they're not isolated stories and saying, okay, well, this person, their motive for this arc is this, and then, um, you know, we have a whole different realm of characterization around that. I don't know. It seems jumpy. I don't like how she's been used, not necessarily the character, because I said, you know, she's very functional, and she could she could be a very formidable opponent with her powers. Uh, but I don't know. I, I think she needs to be defined as a as a she has a motive and she wants to carry it out herself. Like I said, you know, earlier, you know, today's issues, she's not written as well as she used to be written because she always did used to have a motive when she was with the Brotherhood. Um, it was about assassinating Senator Kelly. Uh, when she faked her schizophrenia, it was to get closer to Forge. Um, she wanted to get lots of government secrets, so she faked, you know, all of her all the stuff she did with X Factor. Um, she did what she had to do to kill Great and Creed. She used to have more motive, whereas I do agree with you now. It's just kind of let's throw Mystique in here and see if she sticks. Yeah, I, I that's what I think too. Um, recently, but you know, again, I haven't I haven't read those back issues. I was trying to get my hands on the the Brian K Vaughn Mystique uh, series so, so I could oh, read yeah. up on her. Was that any good? I, I really liked um, at least the first two volumes. The second two weren't bad. I mean, she got 24 issues, so right. not bad for a female villain. <laughs> right. Have her own series. But, uh, yeah, I really like his writing, and he definitely had something that started in the first issue and ended in issue 24. Well, so then it was a nice, you... a nice inter, intertangled plot called Professor X and some other X-Men and new characters and Sentinels, so... You piqued my interest even more now. Oh, well, they're good. <laughs> I have to look them up on eBay. <laughs> I, I may do that. Um, but you know, while we're talking about females, oh, there's no. a female I told you I wanted to talk to. Oh, see, all right, let me preface this, listeners. Uh, Jared was wondering what he could ask me about, and I let it slip that I like this particular character, and I've been trying to come up with some reason and uh, an answer to give him for the question I know is coming and, and I, I don't have one yet so <laughs> go ahead sir, ask away it's definitely not as bad as you think but, <laughs> you know, I've made, my, I've made it known I really enjoy Storm, she's my favorite character and, and we just talked a lot about Mystique, so this is kind of a you know, a female centric episode but, you know, I've been talking to you and you said that you enjoyed um, of all the, you know, maybe obscure characters, you really like Tigra. And so that kind of piqued my interest. I don't hear many, you know, I didn't know Tigra had much of a fan base, and um, she's not maybe, you know, she's maybe even a C-list character these days. So I just kind of wanted you to let me in on the world of Tigra and let me know uh, what it is that you like about Tigra or what she does, or I just don't really know much about her. <laughs> Still need. <laughs> I should have. I should have researched Tigra. Uh, is it Tigra or Tigra? Because I mean, she looks like a tiger, so I assumed it was Tiger, Tigra, or does it matter? That's a good question. That's a good question. Okay, we'll I go. Don't know what have you always called her? I've always called her Tiger. Well, I've never said it out loud for fear of becoming embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll go. With, I'll go with Tigra. For now, until we uh, until somebody calls in and corrects us and say that some creator said you know Dokken instead of Deacon. Okay, I think it might be Tigra though because you're right. She does look like a tiger. <laughs> it would be kind of silly to be called Tigra, wouldn't it? <laughs> 
I was relying on your extensive knowledge of the Marvel Universe. <laughs> okay. Did, did you ever watch, did you ever, like, read the comic book and then you turn on Spider-Man cartoon or X-Men cartoon and they pronounce the name totally different than what you've been saying for uh, years? Yes, yes, and I will give you yeah. an example. Carnage. Maximum Carnage. Carnage. Yep. <laughs> he was French. <laughs> Okay, now that we have that embarrassing thing out of okay, all right, I will, I will answer your question. All right, first of all, right. I want to say that I am not a huge fan. I don't want to insult any of our listeners. I don't want to, you know, discourage you from being yourself or whatever. But I am not a fan of furries. Okay, all right. I want to go. I want to go on record by saying that. All right, people who dress up as animals or big cats or whatever. Not, not a huge fan. I think you're. I think they're a little out there. You know, I may be a little out there in other ways, but okay. I, so, oh, Andy, I'm looking at the statistics, and we just lost ten subscribers. <laughs> oh, it's not good. <laughs> oh no! Hey, did we really want them if they were furries anyway? Ooh, ooh, ooh! Edit that out. All right. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, that being said. And I don't want to offend Jackie either because she doesn't have a tail. But, she, <laughs> all right, first of all, she looks really soft, okay? And I'll, give, I'll give you that. No, I, in all seriousness, um, I've seen her probably in, um, what is she in now, The Initiative she's in? But ever since she got, probably a little bit before, but, but this is what I can really remember. She got tore up by the hood. Do you remember this? Broke into her house. And um, yeah. showed her how um, helpless uh, she really is, or she really can be. And um, she was also wasn't she also a scroll too? No, not that I know of. Who was? You know what? I don't know. All right. So anyway, she she got really beat up, right? And um, they said, you know, we're going to do this to your family. We're going to hunt you guys down. You, if you do anything to us or you, um, you know, do anything uh, against what we want to do as a group, then this is what we'll do. You are an example. We will come to your house. We will uh, beat you within an inch of your life. We will take advantage of you. We will make you helpless. We will make you afraid. And we have the numbers now, and, and we have our own Avengers, and you can't do anything about it. So, I mean, from that point on, I, I was she had a soft spot in my heart because... I was like, man, how would any woman, no matter how strong you are, feel if that happened? And and I'm not, you know, I'm not making a, I am making a blanket statement. I know there are exceptions out there, but, you know, I think about my family and I think about, you know, other other single girls out there and stuff and how, you know, they would never want this to happen and how afraid and how vulnerable they feel afterwards and how you would swear this is never going to happen again to me. You know, and you would be so enraged that you would want to, you know, kill somebody. So I, I think she's got that going for her in my mind. Like, it's kind of that protective type thing. And I guess if I if I have that kind of reaction to her and for her situation, then uh, the writing team's probably doing a great job because that that's like a real emotion that was stirred in me. You know, it was like, well, somebody needs to stand up and stand up for this girl and help her out. And so anyway, that's. That's one reason. I, I like I like how she's drawn in a lot of the stuff. I do not like her. She was just in War Machine, and, you know, Greg Pak is doing great with um, 
with Hulk, but War Machine, that's another useless title out there. All right? It's, <laughs> it's, it's got nothing to do with the Marvel Universe, and but it has the same characters as the rest of the Marvel Universe, and it's just, it's ridiculous. Uh, so anyway, that that's the best answer I think I can give you. I think she's cute. I don't know. I don't know. You know, you <laughs> you just like how some some of the people are are uh, are drawn addressed. You know, like all right, when Emma Frost first became an X Men, she had that um, Frank Quitely outfit. You know, with the giant X without clothing on. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm talking about? That yeah did not do it for me, and I was like, that's pretty. That's pretty disgusting. I don't like that. And um, but. Her outfit, even though it's like a bikini, I, I know it sounds weird, and I, I hope Jackie's not going to listen to this because she's going to be like, what, you want me to look like that? <laughs> but, you know, it's just one of those things, you know. I, I, I like, I can give you other examples too. Like, I, I like the, I don't like the wasp because I think she's annoying and she, you know, but I do like um, Hellcat and, uh, I like Misty, you know, uh, uh-huh. Danny Rand's girl. But um, what do you think about Tiger being uh, pregnant? Oh, is she? Oh, that's okay. She's all right. That's what I was thinking of. She's pregnant with Hank Pym's, the scroll Hank Pym's uh, child, right? Well, she doesn't know if it's the real one or if it's the scroll imposters. Okay, all right, that's what I was thinking of. That's her connection to the scroll. Okay, yeah. I I don't know. I I hope it goes somewhere because I do like her as a character, but I do not hope it goes anywhere in um, Avengers Initiative. I think that book needs to end. I think. <laughs> I well, I mean, seriously, I think either that book needs to end or they need to totally convert it to one or the other, like a, a Dark Rain type thing or the, the remnant of the initiative. You know, because right now you got the, you know, you got the New Warriors and um, people from, who were in Camp Hammond who were, who were training them, like Taskmaster. Taskmaster. Taskmaster is an awesome villain, okay? He's really good. But all the cool villains have gone to the Thunderbolts. You got the, the new Ant-Man who's pretty cool over in the Thunderbolts and you got Scourge and, and, uh, you know, other people. I think they should combine those two books, and I think it should be um, like every other issue. You should do the remnants of the New Warriors and the Initiative, and then the other one, the Thunderbolts. And I, I think that's what they need to do because the, the Avengers Initiative was created for the sole purpose of saying, okay, well, this is the outcome of the Civil War. You know, like this is where yeah. we're going to deal with it, and this is where you're going to see the changes. And we saw that. We saw that with a bunch of new characters who are out, like, in the universe doing nothing and doing everything all at the same time. So I, I just think that book needs to end because they're bringing in old characters, but they've created new characters that have left, and it has no continuity. I mean, it may fit within the 616, and it may make sense to the editors. They may say, okay, you can do that. that that's not prohibited. But in the core of its book, it's changed so much. It's it's not even worth keeping around anymore. No, I, I'm with you, man. I don't really care for either of them, so cancel them both. I don't care what happens to any of those people. <laughs> what, the Thunderbolts one? No, the the New Warriors and Initiative and all that stuff. Oh, the I'm New, War- really the new that. Warriors, that, that was canceled. That was uh, that should have been canceled a long time ago, before it was. Yeah. 
No, I like the Thunderbolts. Give me give me Thunderbolts twice a month. <laughs> I like that too. <laughs> Works for me. All right. Well, did you have any other questions? Because I know you were you were dying to interview me. Interview with Andy. Well, I've got some more, but they're going to be next week. Oh, okay. All right. Well, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, I don't, you know, I don't want to spill all the beans right now. There you go. You got to keep people coming back. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's how I keep Jackie. That's how I keep Jackie coming back. I'm, you know, every, in a couple of years, I'm gonna slip in, and I'm gonna be like, "Yeah, you know, Tiger's cool." And she's gonna be like, "Tiger, I don't know who that is. What, what is that all about?" I was like, "You know, she's furry and soft, like you." And she's, you know, then that's gonna pique her interest and be like, "What is he talking about?" And she'll hang around for another three to five years to find that out. I don't know if you tell her that she's soft and furry like a tiger, she might have you sleeping on the couch for a while. For a while, yes, but <laughs> you got to look big picture. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with that. I'm going to stop now. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> All right. Well, um, we're going to do. We're going to go to our current events section, which right. is what. Uh, that's where we review and summarize the issues, and hopefully, I'll have a bumper by the time this is published. But um, who knows? A bumper? Yeah, a bumper like current events. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know, like... <laughs> I think that sounds perfect. Do that. <laughs> I, can't, that. I can't do that every time. I'm telling you right now, I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> Current events. Da, 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 da. <laughs> All right. So we are reviewing three books uh, today, this evening. Um, it's going to be The Dark Reign, The List. And the first one's going to be Secret Warriors, and then we'll go to Hulk, and then we'll do... Uh, the list Punisher. Does that sound good? Awesome. All right, I'll start out with the list Secret Warriors, if that's okay. With that's you. great. All right, did you read this one? I did not. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> okay. Sorry. All I've right. been on an X-Force kick. Okay, well, I can understand that. I guess. Did you read the Punisher one? Sorry, uh, you're breaking up. Did you uh, did you read the Punisher, the list, of the Punisher? Yeah, I did. I did not. You did not. <laughs> okay. No, and you weren't really breaking up either. I was just trying to get out of the answering. <laughs> I can't. Uh, you. Uh, 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 bye. <laughs> all right. All right. I'll start out here. All right. Uh, Dark Reign, The List, Secret Warriors uh, by Hickman and uh, McGinnis and Palmer and De Soto Mayor, which isn't that a new um, judge? I don't know. She probably has better things Soto to Mayor do. Sotomayor wrote that? No. Uh, Soto Mayor is probably the color artist. Chris. Chris Soto Mayor. So I, that may be a coincidence. Uh, I don't know. All right, first off, you got it opened up? Yep. Okay, the cover looks pretty old-fashioned to me. I, It looks like, you know, the late 80s, early 90s type of uh-huh. art. Do you, <laughs> do you agree or no? Yeah, yeah, it looks like some mid-90s stuff, yeah. It, it harkens back to things that I think the technology is a little bit better here, you know? All right. Anyway, and what's with that gun? Is he Han Solo or what? I know you don't know Star Wars. Whatever. I'll just leave it. Yeah, okay. That doesn't, I don't follow that one. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, this is for your benefit. In Secret Warriors 8, 
Uh, we left off with Nick Fury and John Garrett in a car. Last we heard, Nick was telling John who was uh, was S.H.I.E.L.D. and apparently is a cybernetic to some degree uh, to go check out a guy named Seth Waters. And uh, John is supposed to find out if, if this guy is an ex... Uh, or find out if this ex-S.H.I.E.L.D. agent is working for HYDRA. Uh, John implies that there is something older than this going on. Nick confirms it. And that was in Alexandria, Virginia. In Secret Warriors 9, John Garrett goes to see Seth Waters at the U.S. Department of Treasury. They speak amicably for a while, then Seth asks how John got past the metal detectors. John replies that he is mostly made of polycarbonates now, which are stronger and lighter than metal. He says that he does not know who he does know who he is and who he's working for. Seth knows all about John's past as well as the fact that he's a recovering alcoholic. John questions how he knows these facts, but Seth interrupts saying that he is, works for very powerful men and that this will be John's and Colonel Fury's final warning and there will not be a warning after this. John leaves and gets back into the car with Nick. He tells Nick that now it is done and Nick replies, then here we go. All right, now we're to this issue. All right, we open with Nick and John in the car right above Stark Tower, and they're hovering, they're in a hover car. Uh, Nick tells them if something goes wrong, he knows what to do. John says he knows, and that if anything happens, uh, his job is to pull a, put a bullet in Nick and then go run to Dum Dum Dugan and tell him to start the clock, end game. And we don't really know what that means yet. Um, Nick reminds him not to miss. All right, Nick jumps from the hover car and breaches the building. He goes through the corridors fighting guards until he upon, happens upon Ares. Uh, the reader anticipates a fight breaking out uh, because of the recent events of Secret Warriors, because uh, Ares has, or Nick Fury has Ares' son, and Ares' son is working for him. I don't know if you know that. I don't know if you read... Uh, Obos, right? Yes. Yeah, you're right. Um, the God of Fear, something like that. But instead, Ares lets Nick through, and Nick tells Ares in the morning, you know the place, and Ares cryptically replies, tomorrow then. We then see where Nick is. He is standing over Osborne's bed, quietly telling him to wake up. Osborne is furious that Fury is in the room with him, no pun intended. He then proceeds to show him the list indicating that he promised himself that he would kill Nick Fury. Nick responds by pulling out his own list and, uh, that consists of saving the world, punching Osborne in the face, and then having a beer. Nick explains to him <laughs> that they need to team up for the sake of the country to take out their mutual threat at this point. Next, we see Hammer soldiers uh, and, or agents breaking into the U.S. Treasury building. Why they had to break in, I'm not sure. They probably could have walked through the door of their hammer. I, I don't get it. <laughs> anyway, they busted down the door and surrounded Seth Waters. Uh, Waters puts a gun to his head, uh, but is knocked unconscious before, the, before he can pull the trigger. We then see him immobilized within an interrogation room. Osborne, Miss Hand, Bullseye, and Nick Fury are outside the room looking in through the uh, one-way mirror or the two-way mirror, I guess it would be. <laughs> uh, Hand explains that Waters was funneling large amounts of money to someone, but they, don't, they couldn't determine who it was. They also found some sort of device that they assume is like a data retrieval unit uh, attached to Waters' computer. They can't access it, though, because they do not know. Um, they don't know how. All right. 
uh, Osborne enters the interrogation room and informs Waters that he is about to undergo torture if he doesn't tell them what they want to know. We see Osborne's eyes turn an ominous shade of green, hearkening back to the Green Goblin mask. And again, this really revi- reminded me of the, the early to mid-90s uh, art on some of the, the, yeah. the Spider-Man it's rough. This is some rough art. Yeah, for nowadays standards, I really do think it is. So, All right, Osborne goes on to ask Waters if he is working for Hydra. Waters tells Osborne that he has the mental capacity of low-functioning animals, and of course he would think that if he's not working for S.H.I.E.L.D., then he must be working for Hydra, blah, blah, blah. Osborne then tells Bullseye it's time to go to work. Osborne then exits the interrogation room uh, to ask Nick if he knew what Waters was... if he knew that Waters was not working for Hydra. Nick dodges the question and then asks to see the data retrieval unit. Osborne hesitates, but then turns it over to Fury, primarily due to the fact that they are contained within Stark, uh, Stark Towers. All during this time, Bullseye is torturing Waters by flicking toothpicks at him, uh, and they're sticking in him, sticking in his, like, his eyes and his hair and his cheeks and stuff. So you can see a little uh, pinhead action going on there. Yeah. All right, at this point, Bullseye informs Osborne that Waters is ready to talk. Osborne asks who Waters is working for, and as soon as the word Leviathan leaves Waters' lips, Nick radios to John Garrett uh, to take Waters out. Waters is sniped, all while Nick scrambles to escape. Fury lands a blow on Osborne, sending him reeling to the floor while Garrett lays down some cover fire. Nick jumps out of a window and lands on the hover car. And uh, there's kind of a chase scene with two helicopters. They follow them, and, and they try to evade them for a while. Garrett takes out one of them uh, by shooting, uh, while the other is rendered powerless by Ares. Uh, he throws an axe through the windshield of the, of the co- uh, copter. Nick says that he owes Ares, and then they escape. Uh, late that night, the two of them manage to access the data module, and we see what appears to be Greek letters spelling out Leviathan. And the rest of the issue is data shots of what the module actually contains. We see an index, a map of the Leviathan bases, and a listing of each one's purpose, and finally a Zodiac-looking map outlining the different factions that there are out there. So from a cursory glance, what do you think of this? I'll let you go first. It seems kind of interesting, the whole Leviathan stuff. Um, the art didn't really do much for me, isn't isn't that supposed to be Ed McGinnis? Is, is it? it? That's what it says for pencils, but I've never seen his pencils look like this. Yeah, no, you're right. That's kind of weird. I thought it was Ed Guinness, like, because, but you're right, it is McGinnis, isn't it? I mean, he's the guy that did, like, Superman, Batman, right? Yes. Yeah. So that's just what I was expecting to see, but this looks like a 90s fill-in artist. Yeah, I don't know what the deal is with that. I I don't know if it was the anchor or what. It's really distracting, though. I mean, it, he usually has, um, you know, wider faces. Ah, uh, well, look at some of these. They got some wide faces, and I can sort of see it. But it, it is. It's got to be the anchor or the coloring or something. So yeah, no, it looked like a. I mean, you know, I was. I'm opening. It, I'm looking through the pages with you and following you as you do your review. I think it was really interesting. I mean, you know, Fury had to work with the Green Goblin, you know, the devil himself, uh, to accomplish what he needed to. But Ares' head is really small. 
Yeah, I noticed that too. It's so small. <laughs> well, the guy is huge, and that's why. Even if page eight. Page eight. Yeah, I'm there. Yeah. You would you would think the that bottom left hand corner. <laughs> <laughs> um, you would think that you know, given the the size of that guy's neck, that the helmet would go out a little bit over the head. But it looks like the helmet is supposed to be the actual head, which we know is is not the case. I like Norman and uh, Nick's list, though, too. Those were cool. It was nice to see Norman's whole list and to see Fury's very simple list. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, what I thought about this is, I don't know if you recall, but early, early on in, uh, I think it was issue one of Secret Warriors, we found out that S.H.I.E.L.D. is actually a leg of HYDRA. Mm, no, I did not know that. Yes. Yeah, so all this time... Um, shield was just another way, or uh, yeah, shield was just another way for Hydra to keep tabs on that section. And so we don't know. I mean, that hasn't really become clear yet. They've had uh, it's really distracting in Secret Warriors with the with the new characters, and we I can't keep straight whose kids they are. I can't keep straight what their powers are or how they all interact because there's a lot of a lot of different characters. But the fact remains that. During Dark Reign, we saw that Hydra is in, in in charge or was in charge of Shield. So we don't know if Hydra is now in charge of Hammer. But now we get a piece of information saying that there was somebody pulling the strings of Hydra, which was called Leviathan. And if you look at the Zodiac picture, we see a lot of different things because it looks like Shield was actually on the same level with Hydra, and Leviathan might be on the same level too. But we don't know whether or not these are key people or key uh, agencies or key organizations, you know? Yeah. We'll have to see where this goes, and I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing, to uh, really knowing whether or not S.H.I.E.L.D. was a piece of Hydra. Because I thought that that would be, if the whole Marvel Universe went in that direction and said, okay, well, now we know that, you know, um, the reason why S.H.I.E.L.D. failed was because it was being you know, the time came and Hydra was going to rise up, but nothing else, no other book out there has mentioned anything about it. And uh, I thought Dark Dark uh, Avengers and the, and the Secret Warriors, they had a little thing, a little crossover going on, and then Secret Warriors and Thunderbolts had a little crossover thing going on, just unofficially uh, a couple characters showed up in each issue in the same scenes and stuff. But that didn't give us any answers to... The whole reason why I thought Secret Warriors was was created. Right right now, it seems like it's just the continuing adventures of people who came in and saved the saved us from the Scroll invasion. Anyway, and still, I, I'm waiting for Nick Fury to come out from underground because right now he's still technically underground, and he has been ever since um, Secret Wars. I just think if if Shield has all this time been really working for Hydra, that kind of just throws the whole thing off. Doesn't it? Well, uh, no. Has she been I, I can, fighting Hydra forever? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. But see, that's another another part of control. Like you saw the Matrix movies, right? Yeah. Okay. It the how I reason it out, or what I can liken it to, is that the the machines let these people uprise every so often. Okay. So let's say in in the Matrix. They let Zion be rebuilt because 10% of the population or whatever, point whatever percent of the population rejects the Matrix. 
And so they give them another place. So that's exercising another leg of control, but making them think that they've beat the odds. If you make them think that they've beat the matrix, then it's still exercising a piece of control over them by giving them an outlet in which to play. Like they give them their own sandbox, and they know that eventually they're going to have to wipe that out and create a new sandbox. So that's kind of what this is. Like the people that rise up against S.H.I.E.L.D. and the people that really want to take down the bad guys, they say, oh, or no, they rise up against Hydra, I'm sorry, and really want to take down the bad guys, they say, oh, join S.H.I.E.L.D. because that's their whole point. That's the whole point of their existence. And the people who have created it are part of Hydra, saying, yeah, we'll run some ops, and yeah, we'll sacrifice some Hydra men or whatever so that S.H.I.E.L.D. can play its little game, but eventually we're just going to take them out and we're going to make sure that it's a kind of a cat and mouse thing where, hey, look over here, but really don't look at what we're really doing. Anyway, all in all, I didn't think that was this was that good of an issue. It kind of had a uh, has a surprise or a twist, but the art was really distracting the whole time. I was kind of surprised for that. I mean, be a special list title, especially with Ed McGinnis. That just that blows me away. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, oh well. <laughs> as long as he's not drawing the Red Hulk, I'm happy. I guess. <laughs> All right. Yes, we know what you think about the Red Hulk. Yes. I, I have not changed right. my mind yet. All right, not go yet. Well, speaking of he's Hulk, revealed. Speaking of Hulk, look at that segue. All right, all right. Very good, very good. <laughs> all right, next we got Dark Rain the List, Hulk, with the cover of... Now, here's another name pronounced. Do you pronounce it Scar? Yeah, that's just how I was. We got Dark Rain the List, Hulk, with scar on the front and a little bitty Bruce Banner. I kind of like this cover. Yeah, it's all right. It's different, you know. All right, so just kind of to recap, um, Bruce Banner no longer has his Hulk powers. They were absorbed. Apparently uh, all the gamma radiation was absorbed by the Red Hulk. Um, Scar is Hulk's half-alien son who hates the Hulk. Um, Norman Osborn has taken over and he now wants his, uh, Hulk or Bruce Banner's alien-powered ex-girlfriend, too. All right, so that's how we're going to start off this issue. Okay, now, do we know okay. um, Banner's alien ex-powered girl is? Isn't that Dr. Waynesboro? And who is that? Uh, wasn't she part of what was his group? So, uh, uh, Warbound? Warbound, yeah. Wasn't she part of the Warbound? I didn't read those issues. Well, we'll say she is. Okay, all right. Well, you know, if you say so, I'm all for it. Yeah. And hey, if you know, Jeff Austin can rewrite continuity. We can't do it. <laughs> What's the 616? This is 617. All right, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> all right, go ahead. Uh, all right, we're starting out in New Mexico, <clears throat> where uh, Dr. Waynesboro is tied up to some machines and some kind of X, and... Um, uh, People are saying she's saying that she that the people that have her are under arrest. The person talking said that has her uh, tied up to the X says that she is working for Hammer now and she has the legal authority to quarantine anybody that she wants to, especially aliens, which they classify Dr. Rainsborough as an alien because she has a, the power of shadow people. Um, so they're, what they're doing is they're trying to extract her powers. Um, it's starting to work even if it's killing her. Um, Dr. Waynesboro threatens that the warbound will take care of her. 
but um, what is that lady's name? Hand. Miss Hand. What a name. All right. Miss Hand, <laughs> however, uh, says she doesn't really care. They, the Warbound thinks she's visiting her in Albuquerque. All of a sudden, some sirens go off, and she says, "What? You know what's going on? Cut to Bruce Banner saying, here I am, basically. Um, Dr. Waynesboro utters his name, and Miss Hand says to attack him. Uh, they don't just attack him with some soldiers. They're firing uh, 72 millimeter auto track rail guns and some landmines, uh, Osborne Tech laser cannons, all this stuff to kill just uh, a little human. But Bruce is controlling a little shield that he, he's concocted with his iPod um, and deflects all this stuff without a problem. He then also takes turns, the, uh, he hits another button on his iPod and takes the facility down from lockdown, which releases Dr. Waynesboro, and she starts attacking Miss Hand. Miss Hand and Dr. Waynesboro go at it, and some soldiers surround Lil Bruce. They tell him to give it up, you're not the Hulk anymore, and Bruce says, that's right, but I'm just his daddy, as Scar jumps in, which is a really sweet picture of Scar jumping in and just taking down these guards. Uh, then we cut to Avengers Tower, 37 hours later, with Norman Osborn and Ms. Hand looking at the, the footage of the attack earlier. Um, Osborn says that now the Hulk is on his list, his son and his Hulk, and the Hulk is on his list. Uh, Ms. Hand says that we need to send someone like Ares or Sentry after him. Norman Osborn says that he's going to send somebody a little bit more expendable, which would be Moonstone, a.k.a. the new Ms. Marvel. Ms. Marvel and Ms. Hand are heading to the facility to attack Scar. Just as the facility starts to send a bunch of bombs towards Scar and Bruce, they explode, but it doesn't even, it doesn't hurt them in the slightest. Um, they continue to send lots of missiles and all kinds of stuff, but uh, Bruce uses his iPod or whatever he's using to send the missiles back and destroy part of the facility. Um, as he turns around, Miss Hand is behind him and shoots him, taking him down. She says that the missiles were bait. By taking them, you expose your equipment to a bit of code that masks my approach and let me get close enough for this. She throws out this little kind of technology which throws up a shield around, which encases Bruce in some kind of force bubble that she calls a time bomb. Uh, it slows time down. So while he's not able to react, she's still able to move at her normal rate of speed or whatever. Then we cut close to the facility where Ms. Marvel and Scar are fighting. Um, he grabs her neck, but she blasts him off somehow. So apparently her powers are stronger than what I thought they were. Then we go back over to Miss Hand, and um, Ms. he's able to, uh, Bruce Banner is able to hit a button on his iPod so even though he's moving slow, everything outside is moving fast, and the button he hits on his iPod sends a missile coming you know, from wherever, and it explodes, releasing Bruce from the time bubble he's in. Ms. Marvel grabs Bruce, and then Scar grabs in his hand, and they're both holding each other for ransom, saying you need to let one another go. Scar lets Ms. Hand go, Ms. Marvel lets Bruce go, and they think that it's just kind of weird, you know, why they did that. Scar grabs Bruce and goes running. 
cut to a couple hours later. It's nighttime now, and uh, Bruce looks at Scar and tells him to spill it out. What what's going on here? Scar says that the shiny woman told me Osborne's plan. It wasn't just a power old power facility. It was a facility. It was a gamma lab. You see Scar sprinkle some stuff on the banner, which is supposedly gamma pieces. Says that the gamma bond is initiating and his cells are mutating. So it looks like Bruce is going to turn back into the Hulk. Because uh, Scar doesn't want to kill Bruce, he wants to kill the Hulk. Right. And it kind of ends with uh, Norman Osborn at the end, last page, and don't you lo- just love a happy ending? And he crossed, he put a check mark by neutralized Bruce Banner. And that's the end. Then there's some, some backup stuff, but that's the gist of, of the issue. So it was. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, I thought the art was spot on. It wasn't uh, very, it wasn't like, it didn't look like a lot of pencil drawing. It looked like it had some different kind of modern inking over it. It looked a little more realistic, kind of like some of the X-Force stuff. I thought the story was excellent and just, you know, instead of bringing Ares of Century, they brought Ms. Marvel and, and all the time, it, you know, their plan was to get the gamma radiation back to Bruce. Uh, for Scar to take care of him. I, I thought it was really good. What did you think? I thought it was good, too. I, I understand, you know, this is their big chance to have a giant fight scene and, and take out Bruce Banner um, and Scar. So, yeah, you would think Ares or, or the Sentry, but um, no, they didn't do that. And I like that they, they had a reason why they didn't do that. And... Uh, I haven't been reading uh, Scar, Son of Hulk. I need to catch up on that. I read the first five issues, and that, that was about it. Um, but he wants to travel back, and he wants to kill Hulk for, I guess, leaving him there. And the whole thing yeah. is uh, Bruce Banner can't turn back into the Hulk, but now they've initiated I like What I like about this issue is that this one, out of all of them, make the most sense that Osborn uses his intellect to have a plan and to cross something off his list because uh, Secret Warriors uh, it was it was initiated by Nick Fury Punisher we're going to see is Osborn is just panicked pretty much the whole time because you know Frank Castle's a, a psychopath but this one yeah. he, he calculates and he says okay I'm going to make Scar do my dirty work and I'm going to make it so that he's the one that kills Bruce Banner and I don't even have to worry about him and he does that yeah. by reinitiating and I thought it was good um, good writing too of how to get how to get him back into being the Hulk because I was wondering about that I, you know it seemed pretty awfully convenient for the Red Hulk just to take it away and then I was thinking is Jeff Loeb trying to make his new Hulk the only Hulk now and What's the deal? We are we do have another green guy who's his son and you know kind of smart and everything. But I, I was disappointed, and I, I I admit it. I thought the worst of Jeff Loeb and just automatically assumed he was taking over the Marvel universe. So I thought I think this is good. I think this is good. I'm still not thrilled with there being an Incredible Hercules with the numbering system right now, as well as yes. the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> but that aside, we're, we're going to get our Incredible Hulk back. And uh, when he returns, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be the climax or the, the epic scene that I was looking for in this issue. And I, I think they executed it really well. I, I was, I was all right yeah. with it. 
Uh, my only beef is we didn't see where um, Dr. Waynesboro went. We hope she's okay. I assume she's free. You know, we we don't. <laughs> yeah, she just kind of disappeared. Yeah, we we never saw where she went. And I'm actually interested. Do you know what issue this first page here, um, where it's the the uh, recap page? That art does that look like Dotson to you at the bottom? The and now uh, once Banner's alien powered ex girlfriend too. Kind of does, yeah. It looks kind of like the Uncanny X Men stuff he's doing now. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out what issue that is because I, I probably want to go back and read that. So anyway, I don't know who this girl is, so uh, I'm kind of interested, and I want to know how she got the uh, the old Shadow People's power from that planet that Hulk was at. So. Anyway, all in all, good issue, fair. Yeah, it wasn't too bad. Anything else? Um, well, I just looked up Warbound on Wikipedia. Okay. And it says that uh, Kate Waynesboro was a member, so I guess she must be from there. Okay. <laughs> all right. All right. <laughs> well, I'm going... Oh, no, I'm... it says she first appeared in 1983 in Hulk 287 as Bruce Banner's research assistant. Oh, well, good. All right, I'm glad they used somebody who was actually, you know, who actually has a background. That's good. I'm going to have to read up on this stuff because now I'm intrigued. Now I know how she got from there to here. All right, man, let's roll out Punisher. All right, Punisher. The List Punisher by Rick Remender and John Romita Jr. All right, first off, the cover, very good. I, I... I was impressed with this cover, and um, I, I'm a fan of John Romita Jr. I don't, I tend not to like him on anything except Spider-Man, and I, I don't know why that is. I, I was a little soured going through this issue. He, he's doing really good with Mark Millar's stuff, but then again, it's Mark Millar, and so I can't say anything good about it. This cover, <laughs> this cover, it looks very menacing, and I like how uh, John Romita changes the look of Dokken from Logan. He, he looks slimmer and a little bit taller and you can tell other than the claws you can tell that it's a little bit different now the coloring on this um, is a little sloppier than uh, John Romita Jr.'s usual stuff and I think that I don't want to see that very often but I think that works for this issue I like how Frank he doesn't look like he's begging for his life but rather it looks like he was in the middle of, of a step and walking and just passed out because I could never imagine in a million years this guy giving up. Never. Yeah, no way. Not the Punisher. Yeah. The the variant cover, very crisp, very clean, but he looks way too young. <laughs> looks like a model. Yeah, that's that's true. I picture him like with a messed up nose and everything because of all, like all scarred up and everything because of what he's been through. Oh yeah, definitely. All right, let's see here. We open up with Henry cruising around the town on his hoverboard looking for Frank, and Henry is kind of like his his uh, tech guy. He always has a tech guy. It's always somebody different, uh, but this is the current one. Uh, he's talking on a radio or, or a headset or Bluetooth or something, uh, telling Frank that Osborne is, has dedicated a whole unit for the single task of taking him out. And we cut to the Hammer airship, which looks way too futuristic, I just want to say. <laughs> you know, S.H.I.E.L.D. stuff looks so bulbous and everything. There is no way that in three months, because this is, this is three months after um, S.H.I.E.L.D. has dissolved, there's no way that they built that and uh, just for Hammer. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. I follow you. Yeah. And I think um, 
Secret Warriors number nine says it's three months. So I think that's where I'm getting that from in the, okay. on the recap page. All right, they have targeted Frank, and Osborne gives the order to converge. We see a silhouette of Dokken asking Osborne if they are good to go, and Osborne corrects him and says, no, we are great to go. And uh, I didn't know whose who silhouette that was, but you can see the claws, and I thought that was, that was pretty freaking sweet. All right, uh, we see Frank waking up in his U-Haul war mobile, and he's surrounded by a mass arsenal, but he's contemplating his past, uh, with an inner monologue that picks up uh, the whole time. The inner the monologue part is throughout the whole thing, but his contemplation is kind of in the beginning and the end. He's thinking that his wounds are not healing, but that his wife, Maria, is somewhere out there watching. Uh, I don't know if you have been reading The Punisher, but he just, um, the Hood just tried to tempt him to kill somebody and kind of join the Hood's team, and he would bring back um, his wife and, and children for you know from the dead, and uh, this has nothing to do with Necrotia. This had more to do with he was using some sort of mystical power to bring villains back from the dead and kill Frank, which I think it's Remender. I think Remender really likes the supernatural stuff. He's doing he's doing the uh, the Doctor Voodoo, which is really good by the way so far, but his Punisher stuff it just isn't a good fit for the most part. So we'll see about that. Frank, actually, after his family gets resurrected, he torches them. He, he blows them up and says, that's not my family, and he torches the bodies. And, and so uh, that was pretty disturbing. Uh, but he, I bet. I haven't read that. Yeah, he, uh, it looked to me like he was holding on to what was his. He didn't want that to change in his past. He didn't want to change as a person because the past happened, and he's going to move forward with his goals as it was now, and he's going to right the wrongs. And he, I think he felt like if his, if his family, two things, if his family was back, he couldn't right the wrongs anymore because, you know, he would have to live out his life the way he was, and he's so entrenched in being the Punisher that he couldn't do that. And number two, he felt that it was artificial and it wasn't really his family, regardless of whether it was or not. All right, so Osborne's men show up. Uh, Osborne directs the men to just shoot everything at the pier, and he launches the missiles blowing up the entire area to Kingdom Come. Yet, he is informed that he is missed. Castle has escaped, and Osborne responds by mobilizing ground troops, deploying glider troops, and sending out Dokken. The order is to exterminate Frank Castle. So this one, we get a, we get a picture where he's just panicked, you know, like everything. Get, I don't have a plan, just kill the guy, which is a, which yeah. is a far cry from what we just saw in the Hulk. You know, that was way more calculated and planned out. All right. The way Frank escaped is by using pim particles to shrink himself down, and he grows back to normal size, and then he runs into Henry. And he figures that Henry is either is a liability, whether or not he's there to help, or whether he's in on the whole thing. And because of this line of reasoning, he knocks him out cold, leaving him in the dumpster so that he doesn't get killed. At that moment, some glider troops spot Castle and commence firing, and Frank determines that they are still only police, following orders, and because of this, he decides to use only non-lethal force. Frank manages to take out a few, but gets his leg shot in the process. He jumps down in the sewer, hoping to put some distance between him and the gliders. Unfortunately, he rounds the corner only to come face-to-face with Dokken. A fight ensues in which the Punisher gets stabbed, and then he bites Dokken's lower lip off, and more fighting in the sewer until Frank pulls away to the surface where it's raining. 
Uh, Dokken goes to follow, but finds an explosive attached to his arm that the Punisher put there. He finds it a little too late. And when Frank emerges from the sewer, he comes face-to-face with the scores of glider troops. He pulls a giant gun out of a small side pouch, ready to take them out, which doesn't make sense to me because, for two reasons, it's a huge gun, (laughs) and it's in that small side pouch, and the only thing I can figure is he's still using pin particles or something like that. Um, That's what I was thinking. But, you know, it doesn't say that. It only mentions it earlier. So we, you know, we have to assume it, which is good. I don't like, yeah. I don't like the whole thing to be narrated out for me, but, you know, that still was a question. The second reason it doesn't make sense is because he's pointing at them, and he just decided that he's going to use non-lethal force, and this gun does not look non-lethal to me. <laughs> at this point, yeah. Dokken emerges from the, the blast that he just left them, and uh, telling everyone else to leave, he wants to personally gut Castle. Frank tells them to bring it on, and they start an all-out bloodbath full of stabbing, knifing, and gouging of eyes, throats, and faces. Finally, and you kind of just got to gotta read this or look at it at least. Listeners out there, if you don't read this, you got to at least flip through it at your local comic book shop. The, like I said, the coloring is a little messy, and the inking's a little messy for John Romita Jr., but it really lends itself to the kind of fight, the all-out brawl that this was. I can't really explain it. It's, it's, it really is one of those where you're like, if the Punisher was fighting Wolverine, you would be like, oh, he'd take him, no problem. You know, like, there should be blood everywhere. That, you know, it, I don't understand how the Punisher can get that lucky. This is the answer to that, all those questions. It's like, all right, the Punisher is not that lucky. And when it really comes down to it, he does get sliced up, and he does he does not stop until he's, well, we'll see eventually what happens. All right. Finally, in the midst of all this fighting, Frank gets his arm sliced to pieces, and his throat and his face are shredded because of Dawkins' claws, obviously. Frank thinks about Maria, waiting for him, watching him. He raises his other arm to strike with a knife in it, and then that one's cut off as well. So now he doesn't have any arms left, all right? Frank slumps down, thinking of Maria, and Dokken finishes him off by cutting off his head and then slicing his torso in two. And I got to say, early on, again, the art, I was like, ah, I don't really like this. But the scene, the panel where Dokken slices off Castle's head, and I know this is going to sound disgusting, but if you, if you don't look at the blood and you don't look at the head flying off, if you look at Dokken and just how he looks and the pose he's in, that is one of the best panels that I've seen in, in the past probably five or six months. So take a look at that, too. Osborne orders the cleanup and the complete scrub of the area while Dokken kicks the remains of the Punisher, his pieces of his body, off the building. And we are left with an image of Frank Castle's body lying in pieces, shredded and alone. And that's the end of that. So that's definitely one thing that he could cross off his list. Wow. Yeah. That's intense. It was intense. I was reading that, and I was like, there's no way. And then all of a sudden, I, I, there's like, there was no, there's no way that they're going to do this to Frank. And then he cut him through the arm, and I was like, wow, you can't recover from that. You know, like the first time he stabs him through the arm in the sewer... It's like, you can't recover from that. How can you fight? 
and then it it really did. It, it made sense. Like, yeah, he was hurt, and then he didn't do that well, and then you know his wounds started adding up, and it really did take a toll. Because most of the time in comic books, he's like, "Oh, I've been shot through the stomach, but let's run to freedom." You know, like, sure, <laughs> it's, it's it's not possible. So anyway, uh, that that's my review. What do you think? I just. I'm still in shock. I just wasn't expecting to see that. <laughs> I just like you were talking, and I see his arm laying there, and then I see more stuff fall off. And I mean, this last page—it's just like no coming back from that. Exactly, exactly. I think that was the final thing. Now we know from the previews that there's a you know a Punisher Frankencastle, and we can see how that's going to happen because there's only pieces of him left. And my fear is that he's going to be like jigsaw from now on and you know I hope he I really don't think I really don't hope or I really hope that he doesn't stay all mangled and everything and somehow you know this is retconned Um, I'm glad that it's in Dark Reign I'm glad that they incorporated this but the whole ever since Punisher restarted it's, it's on issue 10 it's been good but it's been weird. It hasn't been the Punisher. It's kind of like the going back to the early the the Punisher before the Max Punisher, where it was uh, I think it was '97, where they had all the, the supernatural stuff and Punisher was fighting the supernatural. Like that's not what the Punisher is. The Punisher is the it, Max series, yeah. where, he's, where he's fighting the the mob and everything. You know? Yeah. Now I know the Max series isn't supposed to be six one six. It's a little bit different, but. Remender, I mean, we don't we don't need the supernatural, and I'm hoping that with him doing the the new Doctor Voodoo, that we'll get more of the supernatural in that book, where that's where it should be, and less in the Punisher. I didn't care for the supernatural Punisher a while ago either, so I'm with you. Let's retcon. I mean, it was really sweet to see all that go down, but. Let's go ahead and retcon that and get Frank to where he should be. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how long this other thing's going to last, but if you read the preview, like the first eight pages, it's like, okay, all right, let's just finish up with this story. I can see where this is going. Let's just let's just skip it. Let's just say it happened and skip it. That's kind of disappointing, but you know, at, at least it all fits together. Yeah, we'll see what happens. All right, well, so that's it for our uh, our reviews. Now, you want to do the bumper for our next, the State of the Union? Yeah, how did you want to do that? Oh, no, you go ahead. Yo, be creative. Yeah, so what? Then you it will sound awful and you can uh, throw it at the end of a podcast? <laughs> do I detect a little bit of resentment? <laughs> I'm just <messing> No, <laughs> I'll, I'll put some. Okay, all right, I'll do it. All right. State of the Union. There you go. <laughs> I should be I should be an anchor for one of these news services. For real. Quit your job now. <laughs> yes, uh, today in the State of the Union. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sir. State of the Union. Let's talk about Necrotia. That's what we got coming up. Good Necrotia. All right. Awesome stuff. All right, summarize it for me. Give me the give me the bird's eye view of the whole thing and we'll talk about it. Bird's eye view. Celine is back from the dead or wherever she was and she's resurrecting people from the X-Men universe that have died to attack the X-Men. And it's off. <laughs> That's the gist. Alright. Have you read any of it? I've read Necrotia.
Croatia, and I read uh, New Mutants number six. That's what I read, too. That's fantastic. We're on the same page. Right on. I mean, I don't know. It might not appeal as much to you. Like, you might not be able to get as much out because, you know, you haven't been a, a diehard X-Men fan for so many years, and um, I'm assuming you probably don't know a lot of these characters that are rising up. That's, that uh, is absolutely true, and that's why yeah, I wanted that be a fair statement? <laughs> that's why I wanted you to talk about But I will say this. This, I was not excited about it, and I'm hardly ever excited about really big X-Men stuff. I'm not, but when I read it, I started to get excited. I was like, yes, this could be cool. This could be, like, I know DC's doing their Blackest Night right now, which is almost the same thing. Dead uh, dead superheroes coming back and, and terrifying living superheroes. But I was like, man, they're pulling in Genosha. And I, I felt stupid at the end. I was like, oh, Necrotia, Genosha. I get it. <laughs> I had no idea <laughs> until the end. But man, that last that last panel where they're coming up on uh, Genosha. Oh yeah. Oh, uh, it was fantastic. It was the the cityscape. That that is some good art. I did not give out Atina for um, art this week because actually I couldn't decide. But the desolation of Genosha here. They even have that monument that they put up and everything. Oh. Fantastic, and I can see she's going to be like the queen of all Genosha. That's sixteen million mutants, right? Yeah, yeah. Now, I'm, what I'm wondering is if this is going to affect the population because you got the 198, which is obviously a little bit higher now because you got dead people walking around. You know, I wonder if that's how they're going to get a lot of mutants back, and if they fix this problem, if a lot of people are going to recover and then be living again. I really don't know. I'm I'm just so anxious. You know, I, I read it, both of them today, and I was just ready to finish out the whole series. I just want to know everything that, that was going on. All right, it was well, just so awesome to see so many. Because, I mean, you know, once your favorite character dies, you're just kind of like, oh, that stinks. But, you you know, you keep reading all the issues. But then to see some of your favorite characters come back and see if they're not dead anymore, that was awesome. And who are your favorite characters? Uh, well, Pyro was one of my favorites. And he came back. Um, I always loved Feral. I always liked Destiny. To see some of those characters that you know have no real fan base or anything like that, to see him back for maybe just this mini series, that was awesome. It was really cool. And to, and to just see some of the the odd people that they're bringing back. You know, who knows who else we're going to see? Some of these characters, you know. They were losers when they were alive, and and now they're they're bringing back these these characters that no one even wanted to come back. So it's kind of cool just to see all the characters they're pulling from the pot. Now, do you think they're going to reinvent a lot of these characters? Like, are, uh, would you be disappointed if they started uh, acting contrary to how they used to act? Like, if they were trying to revitalize a fan base for some of these, um, you know, C-listers? Well, I mean, they already are. I mean, they're not acting like who they are. Because, I mean, like, you know, Thunderbird wasn't a bad guy. Caliban wasn't a bad guy. That's just, it's like they have their own mind, but they're, they, you know, they're trying to break free or whatever, but they are being controlled by either the Technovirus, Anseline, or, or whatever. So, I'm up for whatever. It's just good old X-Men continuity fun that, uh, you know, sometimes you feel like it's it's so far in the past that, it doesn't. It's not relevant anymore. So to see like a character like Senyaka come back, 
who was just this loser, E-list villain on Magneto's team was sweet. Well, I'm looking at this art, and it's pretty fantastic art. All right, now, tell me, okay, Cameron Hodge and Bastion, they're not on the same faction as Celine, right? No, it's gonna. It looks like it's gonna be Celine versus all these techno organic people. You know, like the Trasks and Bastion and Pierce and and uh, Cameron Hodge and Leper Queen, all them. Okay, yeah, that's true. Okay, uh, forgive me, but uh, when we were reading Uncanny uh, Dark Avengers X Men Exodus, okay. Yeah. Well, we read that, and the whole thing was these techno-organic guys, right? And the, that's who we saw in X-Force. Now, but that hasn't been wrapped up yet, right? This is who we're, we're still seeing that? That's what Bastion and Cameron Hodge are, and Trask are, are all with that group, right? Yeah. And Celine is just trying to gain power for herself by bringing people back from the dead, but she's bringing them back with the techno-organic virus, but a little bit different. She's not... She's that's not infecting him with the looks like. with the pure one, right? That's what it looks like. Yeah, that's what I gathered. Okay. All right. So she's gonna. Ha- so kind of the X Men are caught in the middle. How how so are the X Men caught in the middle? Well, is it gonna be Bastion and and Hodge versus Celine, and then the X Men are caught in the middle, or are they all going after the X Men, or are Bastion and Hodge just killing all the mutants? Because right now all the mutants, I guess, are X Men, because they're on Utopia. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like it's going to be a three-way battle all against each other, you know. Celine and her posse versus the X-Men and Bastion's posse, but then Bastion and his posse versus Celine versus the X-Men. It looks like it's going to be awesome. I think they, hopefully they can pull it off. Yeah, and the art on this is, is fantastic. Like, um... oh, it's beautiful. I didn't, I didn't really care for his stuff at the beginning, and then I'm just like, I just fell in love after like the second page. Well, I, I think that sometimes... You mean of this issue? Um, of all his stuff with the X-Force, because it's the same guy, right? Yeah. When X-Force issue number one came out, it's just like, oh, it's all dark and bloody, and but I've just fallen in love with it now. It's perfect. I do like the, this picture of the baby crying, uh, being born. Oh, yeah. That was, that was pretty impressive, because that looks like my child. <laughs> it looks like your child. <laughs> <laughs> I just mean, like... My, I can see my daughter making that exact same face with her hands balled up like that. Like, so anyway, all right, <laughs> all right. Maybe I shouldn't have said that. All right, um, <laughs> Celine, she was the Black Queen for the Hellfire Club, right? Yes, sir. Okay, what has happened to the Hellfire Club at this point? It's disbanded. I, you know, honestly, it seems like every other month the Hellfire Club is doing something new. Because remember, Sunspot was hanging out, and he was leading the Hellfire Club for a while. Right. And then he left. Yeah. And then it looked like Sebastian Shaw was back and doing a lot of stuff, because we saw him in Dark Rain, you know, back with the Hellfire Club. So I, I'm i really kind of sketchy on what the Hellfire Club's doing right now. And then we had the Hellfire uh, Cult, and then we had these girls who were trying to resurrect the Phoenix. And yeah. You know, I, I I don't know exactly what's going on, but I think right now it's kind of dormant because Sebastian Shaw is under lock and key in uh, Utopia, and then we got the Hellions. Yeah, I don't I don't know. The Hellions coming back. The Hellions are back. Blink is back. Shinobi Shaw's back. 
Leland is back, Zenyika's back, Withers back, Pyro is back, Super Saber's back, Berserker's back, Feral's back, <laughs> you know, it's just everybody's back. Uh, Caliban, Thunderbird, uh, Cypher, Warlock. It's awesome. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope it stays awesome for you because I don't know. I, you know, I, here I am trying to figure out what's going on, and I know these guys have a lot of a different, you know, histories and backgrounds. But I don't know. I just think it's awesome. See, what they're doing to me is they're merging continuity from from you know the Hellions, the New Mutants, all that stuff way back when that, that you loved to the stuff that where I started reading with Genosha. And we're going to see maybe some, some closure to some of those loose ends out there. So, I mean, even though, even though Genosha is not a loose end, but it's still out there and nobody's doing anything with it, you know? Yeah, it's just kind of there. Oh, now, what do you think of the, the Zeb Wells issue with Cypher? I never liked Cypher. I thought he's always been a loser. <laughs> but, like, the way that it was narrated from his point of view, it was cool because it kind of expanded his powers from just being a, a dork that knew every language ever created to, you know, using it to what people are really saying. You know, um, there in the first few, few uh, pages, you know, Professor X is talking to the New Mutants and they're all saying stuff, but then Cypher is saying what they really mean. Uh, like, Professor says, Eliana's, you know, Sunspot says, Eliana's having a little trouble acclimating, it's not you. Cypher says what he's really saying is, I'm afraid uh, if you speak to Liana, it will be detrimental to the image of your team. And just all that, like through the whole issue, he does that. And that was really creative in how he did, did that. Yeah, I thought Zem Wells did. I, like I, I thought Wells did fantastic. I, I, he made that character very intriguing. Like, okay, what exactly? He took the, the philosophy of what a language is and how we interpret sounds and visuals into something we can, um, you know, something we extract and then interpret into something we can understand. And so he's taking that mutant power to the extent of every single thing we break down, interpret it, and then understand it in the way that we want. So he's taking everything we see, everything we feel, everything we hear, and he's breaking it down, filtering it through, understanding that it is a language and what can he get out of it, interpreting it, and then understanding it for him. And I, I thought that that mutant power is fantastic. Let's talk real quick about Destiny, and then we'll, we'll move on to the Tinas. What do you think about Destiny coming back and, and her relationship with Blindfold? Uh, well, did you know that she had a relationship with Mystique? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was trying to be really cool and bring that all around, but you obviously already did. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, uh, I, I read a little bit of uh, Extreme X-Men, and it talked about, you know, it was all about Destiny's Diaries, and then I realized it was Claremont, and I couldn't read it. So... <laughs> <laughs> That's mean. He's our subs one of our subscribers. <laughs> oh. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, go on. All right, so we got Destiny, we got Blindfold. What were you going to bring it all together? I don't know. This was kind of new for me. I, I didn't know who that was. I'm glad you just brought up that it was Blindfold. She just looked like a really familiar character, and I couldn't picture who it was. Yeah, she was part of the new X-Men. She had a really small part, but you're right, yeah. Kyle and Yost, they were doing the new X-Men. And so we kind of see that... Destiny ne doesn't necessarily isn't necessarily totally on board with Celine. No, 
but she's kind of forced to do this, which is really interesting because it brings into a whole lot of a whole lot of stuff like if she tells the future, will it change the future type of thing, like a Heisenberg's principle type uh, situation. So we'll have to see what that's all about. Because she tells her, and then she kind of says, what have I done, what have I done? Like, you know, now I've, now I've gone and killed her because I told her, and she's going to change her actions and, and uh, maybe get killed because of that. Yeah, maybe Celine's influence isn't as strong as she thought. So I, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to Mike Carey's book not sucking anymore. Like, I used to really enjoy it, and then like, now for 28 issues, it's been it's been rough. Are you talking about Legacy? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I have not enjoyed that book at all. But maybe we can get back to to what it was. But I I to, to sum this all up, I was really. Uh, I was really excited. I was like, you know what, this is something I can get into. Maybe I can understand and learn these characters a little bit more, so we'll have to see where that goes. Yeah, and, you know, maybe it'll bring you, it'll get you interested in some of the older issues, too, you know. It'll be a way to bring back some uh, some older fans. Yeah, I, yeah. I, you know, if I ever get time, I'll pick those up. Uh, yes, uh, maybe. <laughs> Dude, you should just come over. Oh, yeah, like I'll drop everything. I'll just drop, yeah, I'll be there in ten minutes. Sure, that'd be cool. I've got plenty of stuff. <laughs> yeah, Jackie's still waiting for me here in Louisiana, but you know, whatever. <laughs> now, for arguably the best part of this podcast, the Tina Awards. The Tinas. How many you got tonight? I've got two. Oh, fantastic. I have two as well. Yeah, start us off. All right, number one. This is a little bit obvious, but tearing us apart. I knew it from the start. And that goes to docking, decapitating, and dismembering Frank Castle. I don't think that you could get much more of a of a scene than that. I mean, I I didn't give this award to uh, Wolverine when he was up against the Hulk and Old Man Logan number one, uh, giant size number one. But that's that's because like it didn't stand out. This stood out. Finally, we're seeing in continuity. One of our like the mainstays of of the Marvel universe totally getting sliced up so that you know he's not coming back. Even though we do know he is coming back, but you know you look at that and you're like, there's no way he's dead. He's gone. That's it. His legacy's over. It, it, it seems like these that make our wives not want us to read comic books. If they knew that this kind of crap was in there, they would just say, no way. That but that's this is the stuff that we love. This is awesome. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> All right. What you got? My first one is A Change Is Gonna Come. And that's because the Hulk is coming back. All right. Articles on And he's finally back. He's been gone for a couple years. We got this whole Red Hulk and Blue Hulk A-bomb thing going on and and now uh, the big mean green is on his way back. So he's coming. Change is coming. Right on. That's what we like. He's. Uh, I, I'm assuming you're counting all the stuff like before World War World War Hulk. He was off and on space and everything. And I think Planet Earth has gotten a little bit spoiled by not having a Hulk here that really just 
you know, you fear, and it's like, oh no, where's the Hulk? We gotta keep tabs on him. He could show up in our town. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. You're right. A change is gonna come. All right, I like that. My second one, Viva La Money. Viva La Money. That is because, and this is a crazy move on Marvel's part, what they did just for money. Marvel <sighs> bringing people back from the dead, just like DC. Now, I, I like it. They're going to work with it. It's good. But really, like, zombies are, are the thing. And we saw the exact same thing with Identity Crisis with DC. And right then, Identity Disc came out with Marvel. And the problem with with this is that Identity Disc wasn't, a giant, huge, spanning thing. I didn't read it. I didn't even know what it was about. It was. It, it didn't affect anything. Identity Crisis for DC was huge. Blackest Night for DC is huge. So I'm hoping that Necrotia would also be huge. But we already know that it's not on the same, on par with Dark Reign, and it's kind of just like an X-Men thing. So we already know it's kind of like an isolated, smaller thing. So th- that's why I gave it this, put it in this category, Viva la money, Marvel. You know, I read a I read a short interview with Chris Yost, and he was just like, as soon as I saw that DC was doing Blackest Night, I was just so upset because I already had this idea, and we already had you know started putting things into play for this to happen. He said it was just unfortunate unfortunate circumstances. So whether or not that's true, I'll give him my money. Well, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it's true, and I can. I can imagine if you spend all your time like planning all this stuff out with these characters that you love and you're making stuff like happen, little nuances in the book, and then you go home and you tell your wife, guess what I just found out today? Yeah. Our, our distinguished competition is doing exactly with my, my plan. I, you know, and you can't change it. I'd be miserable for days. Yeah, I'll ruin your life. <laughs> all right, what's your final, Tina? Final is Paradise is Here. Paradise is Here. Necrotia number one, it was just the perfect story. It was the perfect issue for me. Granted, Storm wasn't in it, but that's okay. Otherwise, it was a perfect issue with all these sweet characters coming back. Just the the way that the story can go, the way it was set up, the art, amazing. It was just awesome. It's my little paradise issue. <laughs> that's great. That's great. I knew, I, I read that that was your Tina, and I was like, how's he going to do this? What is it going to be? But I can see it. Paradise is here. And if you want a dual meaning, Celine taking over Genosha. And she's gonna, it's going to make it her paradise. That's fantastic. You got it. Exactly. I do have to, I do have to tell you, like, I am excited to, to know what happens with Genosha, the island of Genosha. And I have not been excited about an X-Men book since... since Probably um, Brubaker was on it, and I know you didn't like that run, but the rise and fall of the Shi'ar Empire—that—that's—that's that's the last time I was excited about it. You're probably right. It's been—it's been really rough the past couple of years on the X title. I thought you were a big fan of X Force. A big fan of X Force? No. Uh. Uh-uh. I mean. No. Oh. Not really. Uh, it, it's kind of like a. I like the concept. Now we're getting. You know, now we're going to have our own Black Ops team. It's about time type thing. But 
No, not not really. There's other things. I'm I'm more into the Avengers at this point. Yeah, that's fair enough. <laughs> don't judge. Don't judge. No prejudice. It's, no, it's totally cool. I mean, uh, you like certain stuff. I mean, Uncanny X-Men can't hold a candle to any title out now because it's so awful. Same with Legacy, you know? Yeah, I I think you're right. I, I, I hear people, other podcasts and stuff, talking about how much they like Uncanny, and I I don't get it. I don't see it. Yeah. The art's the art's terrible, and the story is just all over. And yeah. I don't know. It's gotta it's gotta kind of hone in, and, and I think it's trying to be way too expansive. In within the title, they're trying to create their own X Men universe within the that title, and then the other three titles out there. They're trying to mirror the same thing that the Marvel universe is doing for Dark Reign. And you just yeah. don't have enough space. You don't have enough pages to do that. And you don't have enough. Um, you have too many characters and not enough time to to do what you're trying to do. So what we need is in the next thing after Dark Reign, we need the whole Marvel universe to focus on uh, the new mutant child. And the Avengers need to get on protecting that mutant child and stuff like that. If you want the X Men to take, you know, center stage. I'm with you. I totally agree on everything you said. That was perfectly put. <laughs> well, you're not contrary at all. No, it really was. It was exactly correct. All right, well, I think we're going to call it a night. Was, it, was there anything else? No, man, that sounds good. All right, let's uh, give our contact information out one more time. Marvel616politics at gmail.com. Email us with questions, comments, stories how to download stuff off of YouTube, anything. Go to, our we- <laughs> go to our website. It has a new banner. I try to keep the banner current with current events in the 616. Marvel616politics.com. And our phone number, sir, is... 616-755-TINA. All right. Have a good one. Be safe. And good night. <laughs>